The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, I'm back from Sacramento, baby. And I've got a first-hand report on the Kings and the Lakers. And God damn it, I didn't get to warm up on that beam. No beam for me, but what I got was a massive once-in-a-generation storm that just cleared out 300,000 homes worth of power, put 100-year-old trees on roofs right next to my Airbnb. So I saw some shit that was historic. I get into some drama surrounding LeBron. Uh, We move forward and we talk about John Collins, who has been just circulating in trade rumors since pre-pandemic honestly like he's had it he's had it with the trade rumors there's now trouble brewing in Brooklyn now that Kevin Durant has gone down with an MCL sprain and oh my god what is happening in Chicago with Zach Levine and Billy Donovan because no one seems to know the path forward and of course we talk about what NBA player said he wanted to beat Skip Bayless's ass lot to talk about Nick so drop that generic beat So I had the pleasure, the honor, of going out to Sacramento for the very first time. I had never been there in my life, let alone seen a Kings game, let alone been to the new Golden One Arena, let alone enjoy the presence of Casey and D'Lo, Kenny Carraway, Damian Barling, who are the absolute best. But that Kings game was some bullshit, let's be honest. Like, Kings, Lakers... Let's just, before we get into it, the pageantry, it was, I think, their eighth or ninth consecutive sellout. The fan base was rocking. We got there. We went to dinner right across the way. The way that it's actually set up is really cool. So they've got this Kempton Hotel called the Sawyer right across from the arena. And all the players stay there. And it's like you can tunnel in, so you don't even have to leave. And I tell you what, when you know, and you're a woman, and you know where the players are staying a thousand percent. The lobby was wild. Like even pregame before the team buses showed up, I mean, there were girls basically naked out there in the lobby of the hotel, just sitting there and just milling about. It's like, oh, I know what you're doing. You're trying to catch a LeBron. You're trying to catch a Schroeder. Like, you're waiting. They had so much. This was like 3.30, 4 p.m., right? Game starts at 7. They're like, nope, I'm not waiting for after at the after show. I'm going to try to get them when they're in their pregame warm-up. 
and warm them up on my beam. And they were, <laughs> this amount of makeup that the women had on, it was crazy. Anyway, it's like maybe, like maybe 100 yards from the entrance of the arena, which is fucking awesome. And they have these king's residences too. So there's like this, you know, frosty glass door, and it's like King's Residences. Apparently, uh, Demonis Sabonis stayed there for the entire duration of the season when he got traded there. Like a, a awesome condos, just very pimp shit. And um, so that was awesome. So we went to dinner, quote unquote. It was like the, it was like the grandma special. We we ate at four because the game started at seven. So we went and got steak at this place inside the Sawyer Hotel called Echo and Rig. Awesome steaks. They had like nine different steaks to choose from. All grass-fed, really great. Chopped it up with uh, Kyle and Kenny and Damien. Then we went into the arena, met up with all the, you know, Big J journalists like uh, like James Ham, and we got to meet D- I got to meet Deuce and Mo, who I've been on their podcast before. They're awesome. Give them a follow. It was just one big, one big like reunion of people who have never met each other. Because, you know, they had met each other. I got to see uh, Phil Handy. He gave me a big hug. That was a whole thing. It was awesome. Got to be on the court. And then because we were just like 10 deep of journalists, like, oh, no, I love you. Oh, no, I love you. Oh, no, I'm a big fan of your stuff. Oh, my God, we got to get together. Oh, where'd you go in Sacramento? The security of the team. By the way, these are Kings journalists who have been there every single game so far. They're like, hey, you guys can't be here. You're too much right now. This is too much. There's professional photogs taking pictures of us. We've got, like, fans coming up. It was a thing, right? It was a thing. And and Damien and, and Kenny were like, we do this every game. Like, we whatever's happening with you, they're not – they don't want this. We go through the tunnel. They're hardcore checking our credentials now, which, by the way, my credential, which was made out of paper, ripped off my wrist. So I had to just, like, show it like a badge. They're like, just make sure you see it. So we all hung out in the media room, did our thing, go up to the media area, which is a great, incredible, like, view. They were kind of, they're kind of spoiled. They want to be down on the floor. But I've been in Staples before. They put you in the, like, 600s, you know? <laughs> they, like, put you in the nosebleeds. So really cool stuff. Um, but in terms of the game, probably one of the better games of the season, I would say. Back and forth and back and forth again. Final score, 136-134. So... No defense was being played at all. De'Aaron Fox is amazing. Like, he's one of those players that you see up close and personal where you totally understand why he's better than you think he is on TV. In the fourth quarter, I don't know what he had in the fourth quarter. I want to say it had to have been 12. It was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. Um, And he just couldn't miss. And... You, the Kings got into this huge deficit. We're starting to freak out because we're out by the concourse and MB, by the NBC Sports Bay Area little booth meeting fans. We look up, and they're down like 9 or like down 12. Kenny's like, they'll, they'll cut it. LeBron's on the bench in the fourth quarter. They'll cut it to 2, and we'll see what happens. And I tell you what, Fox just took over. Insane. Also, we've got to give love to my man, Demonis Sabonis. He had a horrible horrible night and Sabonis had what did he have he had 25 12 and 7 and he had one rebound in the first quarter he was largely garbage in the first quarter he got fouled out early and he still had 25 12 
and seven. That's insane. He's so good. Thomas Bryant, though, this team, this Kings team, needs a backup five. This is the most Kings talk we'll probably do in this detail, but I was there. So they need a backup five, right? They need one. They found one. His name's Thomas Bryant. He plays for the Lakers. He gave them 29 and 14. He was making, he was making Demonis Sabonis look like a, like a wet tissue paper. He was so movable. Demonis Sabonis is known for being so strong, so, you know, like Stephen Adams light, and Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant. Can we just say Thomas Bryant put up 29 and 14? He's not that good. He's a fine player. He had the second most points of his career that night. So he was a beast. Dennis Schroeder, the one who turned down $84 million from the Lakers, now is back on a veteran minimum. He had 27, 4, and 2. He had four threes, four for five from three, eight for 11 shooting. His drive is pretty much what sealed the game for them because De'Aaron Fox hip-checked him. They called him for a foul. There's only two seconds left. And now what? What do you figure they're going to do? Like, they're, they're, it's tie, the tie game. Dennis Schroeder now goes to the free throw line, but they call a challenge. They don't have any more timeouts now. And so Dennis Schroeder hits both free throws. You're down two. You've got two seconds. No timeouts to advance the ball. They, I think they moved it actually up to 3.6 seconds. De'Aaron Fox actually gets slapped on the arm while he's shooting from three after that hip check foul. No call on Russell Westbrook. Just absolutely insane. And then, of course, Mike Brown after the game is, like, burying Keegan Murray because he had zero rebounds, and that's, like, what he came there for. It's a mess. Like, the Kings right now, don't let the national media fool you, like me. In Sacramento, they are quietly worried. They are quietly feeling like the only reason that we are still here is because the Clippers are on a slump, six-game, five-game losing streak. Uh, The Warriors are on a little baby slump. And the Suns are on a massive six-game slump. In terms of Golden 1, I think it's a top three arena in the league. It's, it's so insane. It's so amazing. You walk in the front entrance. I love stadium reviews. You walk in the front entrance, and you immediately see the court. It's in, like, think about that. You immediately walk in, and you're like, oh, yeah, basketball is being played here. There's no walls or cylinders that keep you from seeing, oh, there's, well, there's not banners, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) There's not banners, but where banners would be, you can see that. You can see the rafters where the banners will be. You can see, like, the, the dip into the bowl of the arena. You walk in, and it's very much like indoor, outdoor vibes. There's windows that they open up in the middle of the spring so that, like, little birds can fly through, I guess. Sunshine, wind, noise. Who knows? Just fresh air. There's a bar up top that functions as a standing room only section so that you can watch the game while you're at the bar. Just a total meat market. It's I think it's Sierra Nevada Draft House. Spelled like drought house. You know, but that's how you spell draft, I guess. Anyway, awesome. LeBron James, amazing in that game. Just insane. But at the end of the day, no beam for me. Lots of trees down. Lots of power out. Went to a little speakeasy something after the game. Hung out. Got back to my Airbnb. No power. 
no heat, no power, no phone charging ability, nothing. So it was eventful, very eventful. Met some guys, one guy named Travis the Terror at a bar. It was awesome. I recommend going to Sacramento. That's enough Sacramento talk. Let's talk about LeBron James. A lot of rumors surrounding LeBron James. Tons of them. We got to get to the bottom of what's real because it was it was awesome seeing LeBron James as a Laker. That was my very first time seeing him in purple and gold. He's probably better than I've seen him in a long time. Going to the rack, not settling for jumpers, impossible to stop, just a freight train. I mean, he's been doing this too. I think he's probably better now than he is in his rookie season. That's crazy. He's better now than he was in his rookie season. So just before the game against Sacramento, LeBron was interviewed in an article in The Athletic that claimed he was growing impatient with the Lakers, lack of action in the trade market, in the trade front. So he ends this interview. It's a full back and forth where he's playing cat and mouse with one of the athletic reporters who will not be named. And in the back and forth, he ends the interview. LeBron James ends the interview and says, y'all know what the fuck should be happening. I don't need to talk to you. Because they're trying to prod him. Hey, do you wish they would do more? Do you wish they would do more? And he's like, listen, it's not my job to make them do more. And they're like, well, well but you're, in, you're playing so well. Like, what do you think? You're sort of still in your prime, your championship window. And he's like, dude, just get off me, get off me. And at the end of the interview, he says, y'all know what the fuck they need to do. Like, just get, I don't need to talk to you. So then they publish the article. And in response to the article, <laughs> because the headline was like, LeBron's patience is waning. He says, actually, my patience, he quote tweets the article, by the way. I think by the reporter. He quote tweets the reporter, which is always a great sign. I think there's 6,000 quote tweets. <laughs> and he goes, actually, my patience isn't waning. You make it sound like I'm frustrated when I'm really not. I told you over and over, my job is focused on the guys in the locker room. My job isn't on the roster. That's the reality of that conversation. And I said what I said with the utmost respect and calmness because that's the mood I'm in. You're welcome. Five-game winning streak. Smiley face, laughing emoji, wink emoji. Case closed, right? That's the case closed. It's over. No drama. LeBron wants to stay in LA and everything's fine. He's happy with the lack of action. Nothing's happening. No one's going to trade for him. Nothing, right? That's, that's the end of the segment. Well, it's not this league without this league, right? You don't know the NBA if you don't think that GMs didn't see that article and say, let's just make a collie call. Let's just ring, ring, just do a little uh, phone conversation. Because the rumors today were full of GMs preparing for a LeBron trade. According to Sean Devaney at Heavy.com, multiple teams are preparing for exactly that, a LeBron trade. Let's break down this rumor. Devaney wrote, The notion of any team fortunate enough to employ LeBron James in a trade sounds ludicrous. But if circumstances around James's current team, the Lakers, continue on their current path, that could be the next step for James. According to executives around the league, multiple teams, multiple teams are preparing for the possibility that James will seek to force a trade this summer as he, having just turned 38, looks to finish his career in a winning environment. And unlike this past offseason in which teams were blindsided by the trade demand lodged by star forward Kevin Durant on the eve of free agency, front offices around the NBA will be prepared. 
for James's potential move. Everyone was stunned when Kevin Durant asked for a trade. They couldn't even make it happen. They weren't in preparation mode. They didn't know Star was going to be available, so they didn't have assets or cap space or anything. They're like, fuck, I didn't know Kevin Durant could be available. You're Phoenix, and you're like, damn, short of Devin Booker, we can't do shit. No, no, that's not going to happen this time. And you know what? I hate to say I saw it coming, but I did. The second this Westbrook trade went sideways, LeBron was either going to never make the playoffs ever again. That team would need a complete restart, and he would be in hell in the most beautiful weather environment possible. Or he'd be like, let me get the fuck out of here. Let me get the hell out of Dodge. Because there's just no way he could spend the rest of his career in, like, the goal being the play-in tournament. His goal now is the play-in tournament. That's where it is. That's just the facts. And the problem, of course, is that's Rob Plinka's fault. The Lakers have no more aces in the hole. They have two first-round picks that they are refusing to trade. And fair enough, because it's probably not going to take them over the hump, right? They're not going to be a contender if they do that. Now they're just even more fucked for the next year. It's kind of a no-win situation, a hole that they've dug themselves into. And at this point, you might not even be able to get Buddy Heald and Miles Turner anymore for the two first-round picks that it was going to require. Because Buddy Heald is playing awesome. Miles Turner is playing awesome. An executive for the Eastern Conference contender says this. That is the most likely thing if he wants to end on a good note. The most likely scenario is to go back to Cleveland one last time. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. It is a good team. You can win, and it's where it all started. No one's going to hate him for going to Cleveland again. The trick is, the, is getting the numbers to match up. If you could do something with Kevin Love's contract, that could be key. Pause. What? That is... Well, I think last year during the All-Star break, he started to put the breadcrumbs out in the ether about how much he appreciates Kobe Altman, how much he loves what J.B. Bickerstaff is doing. But so much of this obviously is impacted by where LeBron James Jr. lands, Bronny. And I doubt that Bronny wants to be spending the beginning of his career in Cleveland. Ask LeBron Sr. how Cleveland is when you're single, young, rich. It's not great. It's not a great destination, truthfully. There is another option out there, according to a Western Conference exec. If there is a bidding war going on at some point, this is where it gets really interesting for a very important team, our team. There's a bidding war going on at some point. The Warriors are in a great position because they can give you the young guys. Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, Pat Baldwin. I can't believe Pat Baldwin's thrown in there. Whoever the Lakers want. But you have to either add Jordan Poole or Andrew Wiggins, and that's not easy. Pause. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. For our dubs, I'll give everybody. I'll give Poole. I'll give Wiggins. I'll give Wiseman. You can have them all. You can have them all. We'll take LeBron for our dubs, get another chip. You know what I mean? Just continue the dominance. But if they want to win now, you can give up Poole if you're getting back LeBron, he says. If they keep Draymond and come back with Steph, Clay, Draymond, and LeBron, that would be a fun, fun team to watch. 
there would not be a possibility that average people could afford tickets to go to those games. No one would be, I mean, they would be sold out months in advance. The nosebleeds would be like $600. Courtside, like Taylor Swift concert tickets. It's like 30 k a ticket for a courtside show of Steph, Steph and Braun, even for one year. Oh, my God. I don't think the Warriors could pull the trigger fast enough. If Steph and Braun, and it's fitting because they've been basically warring this whole time, right, the first 10 years of LeBron's career, 12 years or whatever it was, he just threw subtle shade shots at Steph. Steph kind of went back and forth. It was all very low-key, nothing above the ground, but you knew there was like this little mini rivalry. If they come together, they will be in spawn. It's like, I don't even know. I don't have words for it. This team would break every attendance record in every arena, every single game. It would be like Kobe and MJ or Bird and Magic playing on the same fucking team in their prime years. It would transcend a super team. It would be super, super team. And somehow, if you add Bronny James in the mix, maybe you keep LeBron there for well past his prime. It doesn't matter. If Joe Lacob is paying $500 million with the luxury tax, our dubs still swimming in money. You raise the prices. You raise the popcorn. You raise the drinks. You raise the parking. You raise everything. Everything changes. Championships ensue. KD was the story last offseason. Is LeBron going to be the story this offseason? If so, I cannot wait. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
Is there anything worse when a really awesome party just comes to an end way, way faster than you want, where they just cut the lights, they cut the music, and you're like, shit, I was starting to get into this. I was starting to feel like maybe this party could be something. That's how I'm feeling right now about, about the Brooklyn Nets. I was just starting to believe. I was just being like, oh, yeah, KD's MVP caliber right now. Kyrie is leading for guard scoring and clutch time. Nets are on fire. They're the hottest streak in franchise history. 18-2 and two in their last 20. They had a little kick to the teeth when Jimmy Butler got knocked into Kevin Durant's knee. And now all of a sudden something's bad. KD went to the ground. He gets up gingerly. He leaves the game. He does not return. Today the Nets announced that KD is going to miss a minimum of one month. Say minimum two weeks, but... Later, Adrian Wojnarowski came out with another tweet, said month. Isolated MCL sprain in his right knee. This is what happened last year as well, if you remember. That kept KD out six weeks. I mean, this is going to be tough. On average, an MCL sprain takes six weeks from diagnosis to full healing. Of course, this is changing from case to case. Of course, if you've sprained your MCL before, they're going to be a little bit more cautious. Not fun. Fun levels on all-time low, though. Fun levels on low. More minutes for Nick Claxton. More touches for my guy, Seth Curry. It's tough because KD was having this historic season in a year where everybody's going off for 50 or more. KD probably the most consistent, dangerous offensive threat in the league. And I know what you're saying. It's Luka, it's Luka, it's Luka, it's Luka. But listen, hear me out in terms of how well KD was playing. According to Kirk Goldsberry, Durant is having one of the best shooting seasons I've ever seen. He leads the NBA in both jumpers attempted and made by a wide margin. But that's just the beginning. Among the NBA's 50 most active jump shooters this season, Durant has the second lowest shot quality via second spectrum. They estimate that an average shooter would produce an effective field goal percentage of just 40%, which is awful, on those Durant's jumpers. But Kevin Durant's actual efficient field goal percentage is 58.4, which is elite. In sum, Kevin Durant is taking extremely difficult shots, but still producing hyper-efficient results, and his team is following suits. So even when he's being defended nearly perfectly, being draped by multiple guys, he's hitting tough fadeaway mid-range shots. He's shooting nearly 20% above what is expected. That's crazy. That's That doesn't make any sense. And that's one of the reasons that the Nets are 18-2 under Jacques Vaughn is in part because, one, he's obviously a better coach than Steve Nash, which we know, but also because Kevin Durant is leading the best offensive team in the league and they're following his lead. I don't know how it's going to work without him. Very fascinated to see how the Nets respond. I need to know. Is Kyrie going to just put up 50 now? Are they going to – other other teams going to double and triple team Kyrie? Who's going to step up offensively? Are we going to get bucket, bucket after bucket from TJ Warren, the bubble god? This is going to absolutely test Jacques Vaughn's coaching jobs. It's going to put a ton of pressure on Kyrie – the Warriors without Steph are six and five. It's pretty much it's better than I expected. Five hundred. I thought I thought they would be like three and seven. 
The Nets without KD, they have the Celtics, the Thunder, the Spurs, the Suns, the Jazz, and Golden State in the next two weeks. It's a bummer. It's a bummer if you're a Nets fan. But now you're going to get to see what this team is really made of without KD. Maybe some more Ben Simmons minutes. Other than Miles Turner, is anyone more tired of being rumored to be traded than John Collins? John Collins has been in trade rumors since before I was born. Really. Like, he's been, he's been, it's just a thing. It's death taxes and John Collins on the trade block. Because John Collins had to be asked about it again, and he's just, like, so sick of it. You can just tell. I'm over this. He goes off on this reporter when they're like, hey, you're still on the trade block. This team still wants to get rid of you. What are your thoughts about being traded again? There's just nobody in, in the NBA who doesn't know that John Collins would rather be anywhere than on the court watching Trey Young. Like, we know that. Trey Young's not a fun player. We all know that they fucked up when they traded Luka for nothing. Like, this is a team that absolutely fumbled the bag worse than Dennis Schroeder. But, you know, we have Collins, who doesn't like Trey. He was the first to call out Trey back three years ago. There was articles written about it, but damn. Here we go. So Collins finally has had enough, right? They ask him about his status. Does does he actually know his status? No one knows his status. I don't even think the Atlanta Hawks know his status. So he, he decided to just say, you know what, I'm taking off the kid gloves. I'm going to say what I really think. He says, I can say, hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. And they can just do whatever they feel is fair. You saw it with Kevin Durant last summer, right? He's begging for a trade, and Brooklyn's like, nah. Not saying that I'm Kevin Durant, but that's just the mentality of, yeah, you can say whatever, you want to go wherever, you can make a public scene, you can do whatever. It does not matter. That's pretty much the crux of the issue, right? You can desire a trade, teams can do whatever they want with you, they can decide where you go, what it takes, they can hold you hostage. That's the nature of being in a contract, right? And right up until he resigned, Travis Schlenk was bound and determined to keep Collins in Atlanta. Who knows why? Collins does not want to be there. Schlenk does not want him there. And Collins opined how hard it's been playing for three different coaches with three different systems in Atlanta. Obviously, so much of what happens with his destination, what happens with the team is outside of his control. But then the reporter, of course, probably the same one that pressed Trey Young, uh, pressed him about a possible trade again. And he finally had enough. He was, oh, God, it's best. I don't give a damn, he says. I don't give a damn, honestly. You know what I mean? I play basketball every day. You know what I mean? I play basketball. I come in and I play basketball, and whatever happens, happens, because I don't control that side. I don't have any control over the decisions that get made, where I am, where I play. I don't have any control over that. Is it safe to say John Collins is sick of this bullshit? Is it safe to say John Collins would like to be anywhere but to be asked about, hey, you're on the trade block again? One thing is for certain. Like, the Hawks are not going to allow Trey Young to go. And it is very hard to see where John Collins and Trey Young fit on a team that is centered on a guy who really his first, second, and third option is to score. His fourth option is to lob the ball up, really to keep the defense honest for option one, two, and three. That's really it. You're only getting lobs to help Trey Young. That's it. And you're not getting play calls for you at all. So how bad are things in Atlanta? Well, according to Shams, Nate McMillan strongly considered resigning 
after the whole Trey Young incident that we covered a couple weeks back. Now Nate insists that that was not true. He says these are lies. But come on. We know what Shams does. Shams is getting multiple sources. He is not peddling in rumors. There is fire behind the smoke. So do not hold it against John Collins. Think about how toxic things are there. I heard from somebody within NBA circles that reached out to me. Hey, they said players don't like playing with Trey. Coaches don't like Trey. There's nothing they can do. He's the franchise. That's it. End of story. So, yeah. Retirement looks a lot better than dealing with the freaking chucker every day who's got an attitude issue. And I like Trey Young-ish, but do you want to bet John Collins is pro-Nate on this little beef? I would bet. I would bet so. Bottom line, very safe to say, there's a lot of teams that would like John Collins on their roster. His points are down, but let's be honest, why? Why is, there point, his, why, why is his points down? Because Trey Young's first, second, third option is scoring for himself, and he's shooting 29% from three. But he is averaging eight rebounds and a block and a half and a steal per game. So will John Collins be on the move? I don't know. Again, this is well before my time that these rumors started. Um, but like Miles Turner, don't bring up the trade, num- the word trade around them if you don't want it to be a confrontational situation. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. No team. Is that a bigger crossroads right now? Well, maybe. I don't know if that's actually true. But the Chicago Bulls are at an impasse. The Bulls currently... 19 and 21. They're currently ninth in the East. But here's the little wrinkle that kind of makes it more interesting. They've also won 7 of 10. So they're the second hottest team in the Eastern Conference behind Brooklyn. So what do you do? What do you do if you're the Chicago Bulls? Do you try to salvage the rest of the season in hopes of maybe trying to make a play-in tournament, like 7 or 8 seed? Do you cut bait? Do you rebuild? Do you hope? that Lonzo comes back fully healthy next year. I don't even know if the Bulls know what they want to do, honestly. I don't. They keep making these statements. They keep doing one thing, saying another. But everyone seems to be on the trade block right now. DeRozan, Levine, Caruso, Vooch, all rumored to be on the move. That's a lot of players that are superstars or stars. So Caruso I would consider to be a very high-valuable piece. DeRozan, DeRozan was leading in clutch 
uh, field goal percentage for most of last year, had MVP buzz. Levine is obviously a certified bucket. Vooch is a guy who can get you 10 rebounds, doesn't play a lot of defense, but he can score his ass off, and all are rumored to be gone. What might seal the deal, though, on this are the rumors courtesy of the Chicago Sun-Times is that there might be big trouble with team chemistry. You say it ain't so. Say, say it ain't so. A growing rift between Zach Levine and Billy Donovan. Could not have seen that coming whatsoever. According to the Sun-Times reporter Joe Cowley, who Levine-Billy Donovan player relationship, player-coach relationship remains somewhat strained in the wake of a November 18th late-game benching in which Donovan chose to ride out the final minutes, minutes against Orlando with Levine out of the game. I remember this like it was day, like it was just yesterday. Like, why is Levine not playing in the fourth quarter? It became kind of a thing. Levine expe- expressed his displeasure. That's one way of putting it, right? He was pissed with Donovan's decision immediately after the game, stating, yeah, that's Billy's decision. He's got to lay with it. They lost that game. He's got to lay with it. Do I agree with it? No. I think I can go out there and still be me, even if I miss some shots. That's his decision, and he's got to stand on it. Woo! 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 November 18th, guys. Checks notes. It's coming up on two months ago that that happened. He's still upset about this? Yeah, apparently so. The trouble, though, of course, is that both of them just signed long-term deals, like just last fall. Donovan in secret in, like, September. Levine signed a max contract in June or July that pays him through the 2026-2027 season, where he will make a shocking $49 million per year. Well, this is like a very side road. I don't think secret extensions should be a thing. That does not make sense. Why are we signing Billy Donovan to an extension in secret? Because they know nobody is for it. You know, and you know you're going to get heat for that. Do not try to sneak this in on a slow news day. Do not. Anyway, Levine, obviously balling. He's a bucket. But he's battling injuries. He's averaging 23 a game. His knee, I think, is going to give some teams pause. I do. Good enough probably for someone to take a chance because he's just that good at scoring if the Bulls actually choose to shop him. But that's the big question. The trade deadline's a month away. If the Bulls fade or go through a slump, he actually could be on the move. If they play well, he'll probably stay. They might actually be buyers at the deadline. And now you've got KD out for a month at least. You've got the Celtics in disarray. Other teams are struggling at various times. Heat obviously have been okay recently, but not really good, period. And I think it's probably going to take a big time falling out for the Bulls to give up on the season. So you're looking at all these other teams that are struggling and you're saying, this is our opportunity. I mean, until then, the Bulls are a team to watch closely. And people will say, like, which one do you choose? If there is a big time rift like Nate McMillan and Trey Young, do you choose Billy Donovan or do you choose Zach Levine? For me, it's very simple. It's actually like, should have been done a long time ago. Neither. Absolutely neither. I don't want either of these guys. Zach Levine, one of the most ball-dominant dudes in the NBA with one knee. He's had multiple arthroscopic surgeries. Like, this guy is getting paid $50 million. He can't play defense. He's going to eventually slow down in terms of getting separation to the rim, getting buckets on his own. 
They both make way too much damn money because they are not affecting winning in any way, considering that this team is hoping to be a playing team. Billy Donovan's a classic college coach, like UConn's head coach, Dan Hurley, where it's like he's yelling at players, he's a control freak, he's just absolutely benching dudes for no reason. Both of these are trash. Both of these are trash decisions for the Bulls. And lately, we saw it. We saw it happen today. Arizona Cardinals gave up on Cliff Kingsbury less than a year after extending him. He gets fired today. So neither should have been extended. If the Bulls want to rebuild, they blow it all up. They get rid of Levine. They get rid of DeRosa. They get rid of Donovan. They get rid of, I guess you get rid of Caruso because you're going to get a lot for him. Get rid of Vooch. Literally just rebuild it all up. You got to ditch both bad contracts for sure. Send Levine off. Probably can get two first-round picks for him. Send Billy back to some college team, like maybe like some other version of Iona. And, you know, take those picks and rebuild that team from the bottom up. So there was some news recently that someone in the NBA wanted to beat the shit out of Skip Bayless. Yeah, that doesn't shock me. There's no sports media commenter that has had a worse week than Skip Bayless. There's plenty of people who have had worse weeks than Skip Bayless outside of that. In the wake, though, of the Monday night game between the Bills and the Bengals, Skip obviously tweeted a bunch of dumb bullshit about how the game needs to be played. It was not really well-worded. He took a bunch of heat from the Fox execs. Shannon, his co-host, didn't show up. As you can imagine, everyone was mad at Skip Bayless. Shannon Sharp was mad. They got into an argument. Um, As it turns out, according to Matt Barnes on All the Smoke, he had to hold back an NBA player from losing his shits on Skip Bayless. This is what Matt said. I have personally had to defuse two situations, one with a coach and one with an NBA player. They wanted to fuck Skip up. One was this year, one was last year. Luckily, cooler heads prevailed, but it's just gone too far in my opinion. Does this shock anyone? I don't think so. Skip is the king of saying shit he does not mean that degrades and dehumanizes people in sports. These personal biting attacks. Remember the Richard Sherman back and forth that happened in Richard Sherman's like second or third year? Somebody's going to end up hurting Skip, I think. Now, I don't wish pain and suffering on anyone. But if you're Skip Bayless, you probably want to ratchet down those takes. You do. When you're doing things like questioning why teams would pay someone when you have that big of a microphone, this is probably not going to end well. The question that I have is, like, who was the player? Who was it? I need to know. I, I don't know who it was. I need the T. I need Matt Barnes to tell me. Let me know who you think it is. I need to know. Uh, is it – I can see it being, like, a Pat Beverly – I could see it being like a like a Boogie Cousins. Man, Boogie Cousins would smash Skip Bayless. All right, quick quick update. Remember our episode before Christmas about the Dallas Mavericks? I went on record saying that of all the moves that the Mavs could make, signing Kemba Walker probably the most inexplicable move. Made no sense. According to people on, on social media, I should just get into the kitchen and let the big boys talk. Let the... Who was I, really, to question Mark Cuban, the Mavs for an office, et cetera, et cetera? Guess what? Guess what, folks? I have an update for you. The Mavs just waived Kemba Walker. 
after three dismal weeks for two-way guard McKinley Wright just days before Kemba Walker's salary was guaranteed. Are you guys kidding me? You see what I'm saying? They waived him. Three weeks is all it took. Three weeks. Color me stunned. Stunned, folks. I could not have possibly seen how that was going to go sideways. I could not have possibly seen how that was going to be an impossibility for them to be good in any way with someone who does not play defense, with bad knees, who's undersized on a team that needs buckets and defense. Listen, I am really floored that Facundo Campazzo and Kemba Walker weren't the answers for the Mavs. I just thought... Couldn't see it. Couldn't see it. Jalen Brunson leaves, and yeah, that's a hole that Facundo Campazzo and Kemba Walker can fill. This is wild. He's a legend. I love Kemba Walker, but he's broken. He's broken. And for people to say, oh, you don't know what you're saying, our eyes tell us everything we need to know. Just know that. Our eyes see everything, and the, and the key to life is to not allow other people with bad eyes to tell you your eyes don't work. That's the key, because they will gaslight you, and sometimes people with perfectly good eyes try to tell you your eyes don't work when they see, I'm talking to you, famous Los, talking to you, got into my comment section about Jordan Poole being an absolute disaster. There are people who try to gaslight you that see exactly what you see, and they will tell you in a quiet moment that they see that, but on the internet, they tell you you don't know what you're talking about, you don't know basketball, and you're seeing something that no one else sees. Yeah, don't let them do that. Never let them do that. As an addendum, Jason Tatum is lobbying to bring Kemba Walker back to Boston. As if the Celtics have any more reason to add drama to their plate. Kemba Walker in Boston made Brad Stevens never coach again. Literally. He gave up the game. He was like, you know what? This isn't for me. This isn't for me. X's and O's, leader of men. Kemba's leading a revolution in the locker room. There's a coup happening. Don't, I mean, don't sleep. Kemba was leading a revolution in Boston. Joe Mazzula is going to need a new set of prayer beads. What are those called? The rosary beads? He's going to need a new a new brand new spanking set of rosary beads to try to handle Kemba Walker, Brogdon, and Marcus Smart in the same locker room if that shit were to go down. That's absolutely bonkers. That's just something that, that needed to be said. That There's really no news there other than, hey, the Mavs waved Kemba Walker, but that's this podcast. Finally, let's move on. We've covered Kyrie a lot. Because, let's face it, he's just a walking soap opera, and that's just lovely. His entire tenure with every team, not just the Nets, the Celtics, the Cavs, all of it. Since the whole, um, what was it, anti-Semitism gate, Kyrie has been absolutely insane. Quietly bawling the fuck out. The question, though, is why. Kyrie was asked, this recently and told Brian Lewis, a reporter for the New York Post, is what he said. Well, basketball is a very simple art form. So if I don't bring all my extra distractions or anything that I'm going through mentally into the game, that's something that I've taken responsibility for on my own end, just to be positively reinforcing what we can do to win games no matter what's going on. 
dare I say Kyrie Irving is Ben Matron? <laughs> say it ain't so. He continued, just being mentally prepared, using a lot of sessions in the summer, challenging myself to be ready for these moments where I don't have to be swayed emotionally. I'm in control of my emotions, in control of my thoughts. Listen, he's always said he's a mental warrior on the court. And I think this is very in step with that philosophy, but it's really not always worked. People can say that they control what they can control, but let's be honest, the mind is a, is a dangerous place to let play out. And right now, he's doing what he says he's going to do. Since his suspension, at Kyrie Irving is averaging 26-5-5, and and the Nets have just won every single game, it feels like. 18 of 20. There's nothing you can do to stop him. Fourth quarter scoring, bananas, just like first quarter. His poise is elite. His calm demeanor is even making Kevin Durant absolutely uh, gush over him. And yet, yet, the big Kyrie uh, news this week is that he wore a pair of shoes that said, free all oppressed people. It's probably an old pair of shoes that he just forgot had that on it. <laughs> Sunday in his game versus the Heat, you know, the one same game where Kevin Durant went down with an MCL sprain. Of course it made news. But again, like I said, these are, this is an old pair of shoes. I've had these for a while, you know. I'm not trying to make any new statements. I've had these since, you know, October of 2021. Who is he speaking of? Who is he speaking of these oppressed people? Is he talking about, you know, just the collective, just everyone? Like the, the Uyghurs in China? Is he talking about the Native Americans, indigenous people who lost their land? Is this a continuation of this Hotep message uh, about the original black Israelites? I have no idea. I don't know. I'd like to know. He probably won't say because he's maturing. But the fact is the two days previous, Kevin Durant wore a pair of shoes that read, Free all of my people. Uh, in a game against the Pelicans, and no one said anything. The reason is because Kyrie Irving says a lot of dumb shit, and everyone's waiting for him to say something dumb again. That is maybe the right thing, maybe the wrong thing, I don't know. But in these quiet moments, when shit is not hitting the fan, you have to say the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving are one of the greatest shows on the court. And I love watching him play basketball. I need more of it, please, and thank you. Because we know... What's going to happen? There's going to be another Kyrie Irving controversy, and his play is going to diminish. He's probably going to step away temporarily, and before you know it, you just kind of have to enjoy the sunshine before the next bomb cyclone comes and drops another tree on a house. So that's all. That's all the time that we have for the heat check. We will be back Friday with an all-new episode. Uh, check the feed for past episodes, mini episodes, which drop every single day. Follow the heat check in 2023. Please follow us on social to grow the social account so again we can continue making this beautiful product me and my amazing producer nick berlansky aka burlo follow us on this heat check follow us at trista crick on tiktok burlo's on the heat check on on tiktok now too find him nick berlansky he's not posting any clips but he's awesome that's all the time that we have we'll see you guys next uh friday check out our new nba show beyond the arc part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. 
Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.